Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello again and welcome back for another episode of All Fired Up. I'm so excited to bring you my guest and this conversation this time. I hope everyone is well and eagerly awaiting a nice dollop of diet culture bullshit pushback. But first, just a few things. If you are loving this show, I would really love you a little bit more if you would go and rate and review All Fired Up with a lovely five stars or a lovely comment, you can do this wherever you actually subscribe to listen to your podcasts. Apple is, of course, the big one, the favorite, but wherever you go, wherever you subscribe, if you can leave us a really nice rating and review, I would be so grateful because the more people that hear this, the more likely we are to topple diet culture and I can go off and become a florist like I really want to. And don't forget too to subscribe so you don't miss the episodes when they pop out. And if you haven't already done so, there is an awesome free ebook which I have written with the wonderful dietitian Fiona Willer and it is called Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss Is Bullshit. In it, we're busting the top 10 myths floating around about body size and health. And you really need to read this ebook and give it to absolutely everybody you know so we can get this anti-diet message and all of the wonderful science that underpins it out into the world because I strongly believe that education will not change everything. But if people can understand that uh, this whole movement is very solidly based on scientific fact and um, not on opinion, that would be really a great start. So you can download this ebook for free, as I said, from my website, untrapped.com.au, and it will just pop up and you can download it. I have been told that we had a glitch. And so if you've been trying to find it and haven't been able to, please pop back because it's all working smoothly now or if you prefer to go to Instagram or through Instagram to get the ebook you can do so so if you go to untrapped underscore au and click on the link in the bio you'll find the free ebook there and you can download it from there I want to give a big shout out to all of the uh, members in the Untrapped online community, our wonderful group of anti-diet liberated people who have joined up and also invite you. If you are struggling with anything to do with your relationship with food or your body, or if you've just had enough of diets and you feel kind of really stuck, I hear you. And that's why I created Untrapped, which is an online program. So you can do it at your own pace, in your own home. But it's, it's a wonderful program and it was developed not just by me, but I collaborated with 12 other amazing health professionals in the anti-diet space. So it's just cram-packed full of awesome stuff to help you unlearn all of the bullshit that diet culture feeds us and relearn connection and relearn intuition and relearn all of this wonderful, solid, safe 
stuff that we, we all kind of come into the world with and then lose contact with thanks to all the bullshit. So please join us. Don't for another minute think that you have to go on a diet. There's much better alternatives out there. And you can join Untrapped at the website untrapped.com.au or also through Instagram untrapped underscore au and click on the link in the bio. So this brings us to our topic this week. I'm so excited to bring you our fantastic guest, Kelly Jean Drinkwater, who is an, just an incredible Sydney-based filmmaker and activist, and she's just radically awesome. I just absolutely adore her. So I feel like in bits of this interview, I was just starstruck. So I apologize if I'm just gushing a little bit too much during the following interview. Kelly Jean and I have a, an interesting kind of intertwined history where Specifically, I seem to end up in audiences with her. So we first met back in 2013 at SBS, which is a television station here in Sydney. We'd both been invited into the audience of a TV show called Insight, which it's kind of like a current affairs show for people who might be overseas, where um, the host's name is Jenny Brocky, and she's sort of been on SBS on this show forever. And every week they do different topics and they usually get in a mixture of kind of people and the public and then health professionals or, you know, professionals in whatever topic they're talking about. It's pretty much viewed as quite objective and, you know, kind of current affairs, quite a comprehensive in-depth look at whatever subject they're looking at. Anyway, so back in 2013, they invited me on um, just because of the, the work I do as a clinical psychologist working with people in the anti-diet space and weight neutral space. They invited me on and um, I was a bit hesitant because, you know, going on in, into anything in the media in this space, you can get kind of hoodwinked or ambushed. You know, people can tell you that they're doing a show on one thing and then you end up and it's another thing. So I was a bit hesitant, but the producer was very specific in saying that they're going to really cover the non-diet and the body positive aspect of things. And they, they did say they were also going to invite people from the weight loss industry along, but reassured me that, you know, this was a relatively safe space and that there were fat activists and other people, academics who were talking on this. So along I went. And this is where in the audience I met Kelly Jean Drinkwater and um, she's just awesome. But gosh, how do I explain what happened? It was a train wreck. It was an ambush and it just ended up being almost like Jenny, the host, having a go at Kelly Jean Drinkwater, getting her to justify her existence. It was quite horrifying in the way that the host of the show didn't really show any objectivity and, and a very defensive, I'll go further, not even defensive, quite an aggressive attitude towards Kelly Jean. So I was sitting there horrified that she was being questioned about, you know, at one point, a fitness trainer who I'd gotten stuck sitting next to was drilling Jenny, uh, Kelly Jean, about her diet and like asking her to provide, you know, a list of what she ate and her exercise habits. And um, it was just a really awful experience. Kelly Jean wasn't the only person there who felt, <laughs> who was attacked or felt attacked. There were other people there. So it was, that was my first interaction with Kelly Jean. So, you know, just sort of meeting someone and then watching them being hauled across the coals for existing 
was it was quite an unpleasant experience. And I remember her saying, look, I'm not going to do any more media after this because I've, I've had enough. And I didn't blame her. It was just, it was intense. In the show notes, I'll put up um, a link to the Insight program and also a transcript because the transcript really shows everything that was said. So you guys can have a look and see just how crappy it was. So at the end of today's interview, towards the end, Kelly Jamie and I are talking about that show. So I thought I should give it a bit of an intro, a bit more of a background for you guys. So that's the first time I met her. And then a few years ago, I was at the Opera House and I was at this thing called the Festival of Dangerous Ideas, which is a festival, like it sounds, of, of ideas that are radical or different or pushing, pushing boundaries and, and pushing ability to think about topics. And at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas, Saray Walker was talking. As you guys might have, you might have heard of her, she is an incredible writer. She wrote Dietland. So she's just an amazing person. So she's at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas and she's giving a talk on radical fat acceptance. And in this talk, she was just nailing it. I just loved it. And she's talking about how every time we talk about really radical fat acceptance, uh, someone brings up health and how annoying is that? Really amazing speech. At the end of it, there was a Q&A where basically everyone in the audience got up and started drilling her about health. And it was, we talk about it, as you'll hear, about how disappointing that moment was. Then up pops Kelly Jean Drinkwater and she does a statement, which you'll hear about, and she gets a standing ovation. It was an amazing moment. So I do, I do kind of have this history of being in an audience with Kelly Jean Drinkwater. And I'm thrilled today to actually not be just sort of in an audience, but actually having a really in-depth conversation with her about her work and about fat representation on stage and screen and how things are changing and how far we need to kind of push things. But also she's just an amazing woman as this is an incredible conversation. And I'm just so pleased that we got to actually sit down and and have a really good talk. So I know you guys are going to really enjoy this. So without further ado, I'm going to give you me and Kelly Jean. Kelly Jean, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So tell me what's firing you up at the moment. Well, I think at the moment I'm fired up about, as always, about fat representation and in the media. That's my kind of constant fuel, actually, (laughs) for my my activism is this, and the work that I do as a filmmaker and a a public speaker is to, to challenge how fat people are represented yeah 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 I'm so glad that you're on the planet because <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting isn't it like at the moment you can be fired up in a good way because it does seem like fat representation is is happening a lot more and not just stereotypical representation yeah. but you know much more rounded and and dynamic and diverse representations But at the same time, you can get fired up because there's also some really bad shit still happening. Well, I think, yes, it's happening, like those representations in film and TV series and things like that and casting and is definitely getting better. But I still think we have a long, long way to go. It's Mm -hmm. still feeling, from my perspective, when you talk about sort of, has there been a, a much, like a recent spate of, is spate the right word? There's been a recent kind of push with things in in the States, especially around films that feature 
fat narratives and fat characters, but which is great, but they're still very much centered around a cisgendered, white, heterosexual perspective, like, and also the sort of smaller side of, of fat people being cast, you know. Mm. So I guess it's baby steps in some ways. And it's wonderful that those people, those productions are happening and people who make those decisions and commissioners and things like that are giving space to these stories at all. And really, that's wild mm. and great. Mm. But I still think in terms of, yeah, diversity and representation, there's still a long way to go. And because it's been such a, like, because in those kind of worlds, positive fat politics and representation have been um, so, been, we've been so invisible. The stories that being are told are still are great and it's wonderful that those characters, like, you know, the characters are fat and staying fat and we've got things like Shrill where the main character was fat and talking directly about body positivity and Dietland, which happened last year in the States, which was a commission from a, a one of my favourite books written by Sarai Walker, which was an amazing novel called Dietland and then it got options into making a series. And the difference, if you read the book to the show, it's still very good and fat positive, but you can also, like there were some decisions made in that process of turning it into a, a series for TV. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, interesting, because I've only read the book. I loved the book, but yeah. I haven't been able to watch the series yet. So what are the differences? Oh, look, I watched it ages ago now, but there's just this sort of, I don't know, there's just some decisions in it that I just don't love. Like they gave this, I don't know, I mean, it's it's hard. But, for example, if you think about Shrill and Dietland, right, yeah. they both gave the main fat characters these love interests or sexual partners that are just awful men like yes really, really <laughs> and I'm like this girl like for example in Shrill her boyfriend mm. is a loser and shame like does this shameful thing and it's his narrative that he kind of like secretly sleeps with her and and doesn't want any which makes her go out the back door and doesn't want anyone to know and she's meant to be this really kind of like onto it fat woman and she puts up with that and then in the end he comes around and he's like no actually I do adore you and meet my friends and I'm like that woman would never, I mean, I don't know. They could have written it that she was just like, you're a loser and I'm Yeah, happy. yeah, but she's all happy about it. Well, not, she's not happy, but she doesn't leave him and go and get, she, yeah. It's like she sleeps with this one person who adores her and then you think, yeah, go with him. And then she doesn't. <laughs> and like, oh, she stays with the loser. And then also in Dietland, it's like the only kind of, like the main character's a virgin and, but, rather than have a good experience, she has this kind of awful experience with a fetishist and a feeder who then kind of date rapes her. And it's like, oh, oh okay, so that's the sex we're going to see. Mm. And I just think, oh, well, you could have done that differently. So it's a frustrating thing in that way. And then there's, a sh- then there's Dumplin', Dumpling or whatever. Yeah, I, I watched Dumplin' and um, I really liked, like, I liked it because... Yeah. I didn't see anything like that when I was growing up no. and, and I was thinking of it for my sort of 12-ish year old girl. Yes. I liked that Jennifer Aniston was the unhappy character who was always on a diet. That was nice yes. to see for a change. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, it was great. Like, and I loved also in Dumpling that the main character had this guy that was interested who was lovely and, like, she didn't believe it. And then he was like, no, I just actually think you're beautiful and great. Yeah. And, 
and that wasn't like a big deal like it was a little bit of a deal for her to believe it but then that was like oh cool she's got this great guy yeah yeah and that's such an important story to get across to people isn't it that yeah that love is possible no matter like what you look like and also like the, the, the hot guy could actually want to be with the fat girl yeah there's there's no kind of issue with that it does happen yeah exactly and so you know there were things in that that I thought were great and I really related to her you know love of Dolly Parton and her oh I loved that (laughs) (laughs) I mean I love Dolly Parton and also her fat auntie that was a great inspiration to her but then there was things like she died and no one said why and it's like it was kind of assumed that she died because she was fat somehow and Mm. that didn't sit well and then also the other thing that really pissed me off about dumpling was you know when they did the swimsuit thing at the end Mm. the two two fat girls were in swim dresses that covered their bodies as much as possible they looked adorable don't get me wrong but it's like really why can't they wear bikinis like every other person on that stage yeah I wanted the bikini as well yeah so you know there's things like that that are important that we're still not seeing and I'm really keen to in my work and any opportunities that I get as a filmmaker and as a creative to push those things and try and get it a little bit more like just push it a bit more. It's like, yeah, yeah, you've got a fat character in a story. That's not good enough. We need to see it handled properly mm. and get it right. So you've got this opportunity. So let's actually. Let's, let's do it right. That's why I'm yeah. so glad you're on the planet because oh. you do such wonderful stuff. I loved the documentary, the Aquaporco documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Acapulco was really great because it really resonated with so many people and it is just that kind of beautiful, unapologetic, fun and challenging story of of fat people just being in their bodies and loving it and also just putting it out there in public and taking up space in, in places where you're not supposed to, like the swimming pool and in public in swimwear. And, you know, also just how it was really, really transformative. And, yeah, it was a a beautiful, important thing for the people that were involved. And it's Mm. powerful. And it can be, it's such simple things like wearing a swimsuit at the pool. It's so basic for most. Wouldn't even think about it. But when you get a fat person doing that, I know from my experience that I had to, I'm obsessed with water. I'm a total philosophile mermaid. (laughs) I remember when I was about, from when I was about, like I was obsessed, I was always on the beach when I was a kid. And from when I was about 11 to when I was probably about 19, I never went to the beach ever. Oh, really? And it was like, actually, I love this. Fuck it. I'm going to go swimming. And I just was like, it makes me sad to think that I missed out on something I love so much because of that shame. And so, you know. That's why I wanted to do Acapulco because I was like, I don't want other people to not do something I love for years and years until they find the kind of strength to actually go, no, I really want, this is really important to me. So, yeah. What a great way to get through that. Like not, not just doing it for yourself, but making a documentary. So for people who might be listening who, who don't know what Aquaporco is, it's an amazing documentary that you made and it's about a synchronised swimming, a group of synchronised swimmers in larger bodies and fabulous swim hats, which I'd love to know where you got them from. Yeah, we got them online. <laughs> um, actually, so Esther Williams, who you might know, she's, yeah. like, she's around in the, I don't know, was it the 50s, 60s? Uh, maybe in the 40s, 50s and 60s. Anyway, she was like Million Dollar Mermaid and she did all those extravagant, wonderful synchronised swimming films. And then 
I think she's still alive. Maybe she's, she lived to be quite like in her nineties. Yeah. She started a swimwear brand called Esther Williams and she sells those hats. You're kidding me. Yeah. I am so, I'm so there. That's amazing. Yeah. You can get them online. But um, yeah, so Acapulco was, I actually came up with the idea and started the team just for myself and my friends in Sydney. And we just were like, okay, let's do this fun. Let's get a bunch of fat girls together and teach ourselves synchronized swimming just for fun. And we'll call it Acapulco and we'll do it. So we did. We didn't know what we were doing and we just watched YouTube videos. I love this. (laughs) And just kind of taught each other a new thing and we practiced and it was very fun and there wasn't any kind of agenda. We just wanted to do it. And people would clap us when we were rehearsing and we'd get out of the pool en masse and people would be like, oh, you guys are great. You know, like, it's so good to watch you and good on you and you go girl and, you know, that stuff. <laughs> That's so cool. So you just did a public pool in Sydney, just practising. Yeah, we just we just would hire a lane at the public pool, yeah, and just do whatever. And we just had a little speaker and we just practised. And we were never very good. <laughs> and, and that was at the point... And then because it was, I think I did a few interviews about it or something and it just got some traction and then they started a chapter in Brisbane, but I don't know how far that got. Like, But then they started a chapter in Melbourne and Melbourne just took off in a way that was amazing considering it started in winter. Oh, wow. And there was just this beautiful team that practiced regularly and got to the point where they were going to do a performance of their synchronized swimming at the pool. And I was like, I'm a filmmaker. I really need to film this and and speak (laughs) to them. And so that's how Acapulco happened. So, Brilliant, brilliant. And then it went to the Sydney Film Festival. Is that right? It was premiered at Mardi Gras Film Festival in Sydney. Mardi Gras, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So was that one of your first films? As a director, a co-director, yes, but I've worked in other films, like edited. I'm an, a primarily an edit, TV and film editor, so I've edited lots of other films. But, yeah, that was my first kind of film from my idea to, to actualization or whatever. Yeah. I worked with, I, worked, I co-directed it with a friend and, yeah, and then I kind of, we made it and, had, you know, that was, yes, I'm sorry, that was a long answer, but yes. <laughs> and how was it received when it when it came out? Because like it's so different, and it was a few years ago. So what was it like for you? Like, what sort of attention did you get from it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, we won the audience award at, at that festival, and I mean, people just love it. They love it. They love the. I mean, it's really beautiful to watch. It's really camp and kitsch and colourful, and there's big smiles and. It's just so joyful. People love it. And it went, yeah, it's shown in like 47 different countries now as in, as part of different film festivals, which is wild. And I, it was like, that came out like six years ago or seven years ago or something, mm. maybe six. And um, I still get asked to screen, for, to screen it at festivals still. And yeah. I'm like, wow. And now I've made my feature film, Nothing to Lose, which is about a dance production I did with all fat, a fat cast. Um, yes yeah that's getting asked as well but Acapulco is still it's something about it it just it's such a like the name is brilliant I have to say yeah yeah it is brilliant definitely gets attention (laughs) and then you hear fat girls some kind of swimming and you go oh yeah like how great is that so (laughs) it's just just a good concept people just understand it immediately and yeah oh it's so good so tell me about uh, nothing to lose 
Yeah, so my uh, Nothing Toys is my first feature that I've made yet. I directed it and, I co- sorry, I co-directed it and worked with lots of people on it actually for years to get it made because we didn't have proper funding so we just did it as we went. So Nothing to Lose is the film, is the story of basically in 2013 I was approached by Kate Champion who is a really well-known Australian director and theatre director and choreographer and Mm. she was the artistic director of a company he called Force Majeure and she wanted to do a dance theatre production exploring the potential of the fat dancing body and body politics and and why she doesn't see fat bodies on stage and why it's still very limited in terms of what is even considered a dancer or a dancer's body and and why it's so prohibitive to bigger bodies and you know she was like I, I go to the club and I watch people dance and I'm always drawn to the bigger person because I just love watching bigger bodies move mm-hmm. and so she realized but she's you know she's like a, a a very slim trained dancer that has been a dancer for years and now she's moving into well she's she's very established as a a theater director a dance theater director and choreographer and she just knew that she couldn't make that show without an artist that is fat and that understands the importance and also the politics. So she approached me to come on and work with her as the artistic associate on Nothing to Lose the Show. And when she interviewed me, she said, so you're going to want to make a film about this, right? And I was like, <laughs> I went, yes, I do. And then it was a, took three years, not continually, but off and on to make the show. So I filmed it from the auditions, which were, we sent out Australia-wide call outs to try and and find the right people so I shot that we shot that process and then we shot all the creative developments throughout making it and so the film sort of starts at the auditions and goes to opening night and um yeah so it's it's about the show and why we wanted to make it and exploring what fat bodies can do and inherently do from a choreographic sense but also Mm. it was about the people that made it and their relationship to their bodies oh just fabulous and how how amazing to get like such a a, like accomplished theater director who gets the idea that because she's smaller she can't do this on her own (laughs) without yeah yeah. like how how often do you get that like that I mean I was was like pinching myself for the whole time that we, this was even happening, that we were working on this with Kate Champion, that it was that Sydney Festival commissioned it, that we were working with Carriage Works, which is a big, like an arts institution and venue here in Sydney. Yeah. This is fully mainstream, isn't it? This is like yeah. totally in the centre of everyone's radar with what's happening in the arts in Sydney or even Australia, and, and here yeah. you are. Yeah, I mean, like at the time, nothing had ever been done like it. I mean, there'd been fat ballet teams, ballet teams ballet productions (laughs) and there were there's definitely bigger dancers in the world and obviously in the states there's heaps of like well more and more like like dance groups that um tend to focus on amazing dancers that are that are big but they tend to do like music video dancing or hip-hop and stuff but this was a different kind of show that was about so dance theatre isn't just dance, it's, it's theatre as well. So there was a, a opportunities for us to talk about issues and talk about things. And so, yeah, at the time, and I think still, 
oh no, that's not steel actually. At the time, it hadn't been done before in the world. So that was pretty amazing. And we, we did all kind of pinch ourselves the whole way that mm. we were getting to do this. And it was incredibly well received and there was so much media interest all over the world on it because just the concept of fat people dancing for Sydney Festival was just like people just couldn't understand it. People's um, minds were blown. They were just at the idea. <laughs> yeah so it got a lot of interest and that's all in the film as well because we talk about what that is and you know is that just a freak show or are people genuinely interested and but it got really amazing reviews and honestly, yeah. hardly any negative reviews which I was really shocked and a little bit disappointed by like I kind of was like oh everybody loves it oh okay oh, really? <laughs> I just wanted to hear what people I mean when I say everybody I'm talking about media that reviewed it that sort mm. of reviewed it of course there was probably a shit show online hating it and we did get that but we kind of decided through Kate's experience and advice to not engage in that stuff like just not read it yeah give it any kind of traction in order to create a space where we could keep exploring it as a production you know so we just I think that's a that's a really good idea, like just psychologically, because there is this kind of like underground Reddit-based community of people who just sort of professionally hate fat people for no apparent reason. Is and it not, professional? Do they get I don't know. No, I think I mean. Professional as in they've got nothing much else on their mind. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a really good thing for people, creatives and theatre makers to do anyway is not read reviews till it's over. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice to hear that you got all of that positive review, but you wanted negative reviews? You wanted Well, no, I just criticism. (laughs) No, I just yeah, I think criticism's good because I think it pushes things. And I also think I don't think it was a perfect piece of theatre and I think there's things I would have done differently and there's things I definitely do differently now that we didn't do differently then, looking mm. back. But, you know, it was still great and I'm proud of it and I know we're, Kate's proud of it and I think it was wonderful. I just wish we got to tour the thing. We did tour to Melbourne. We did it, so we did a sellout run at Sydney Festival. Yeah. Then in 2015 and then we did a sellout run at Dance Massive in Melbourne, which is a huge dance festival in Australia. So amazing. We did tour it to Melbourne. Like it's almost like the decision makers and the commissioners and the people that do these shows are interested in these concepts of fat positivity because it's very kind of of the moment. Yeah. It has been the last few years and it is controversial and controversy gets attention and therefore money. Let's be Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They're still very, very cautious about it. And that's why working with Kate was amazing because she was not cautious. She yeah. was like, I want to do this and I want to do this properly. Yeah. <sighs> and so, you know, it's like this idea that, yes, yeah, she can do a fat story, but it has to be a white woman. It's the centre character and it has to be someone that's not massively fat, like fat, but not like hugely uh-huh. fat and not too happy, like still, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, and of course, that's it's part of the story. Like, you don't just go, I'm fat and I'm happy about that and then everything's great. Like, we carry all this baggage around with us all the time. And so it makes sense that the characters that are written who are fat also deal with all that stuff. It would be weird if they didn't. Mm. Yeah. But I still think, yeah, there's ways that it could push. And, like, it's a shame because I really think it would have gone off but didn't happen. 
so no is it is it am i remembering incorrectly did you go overseas at all with it didn't you go to canada so so that, what i was just been talking about was the film there was the live film right okay okay i'll okay. say that again what i was just talking about was the theater production of Lincoln. okay yeah so then after it was all finished i had all this footage and i worked with a bunch of amazing people everyone that worked on the film nothing to lose worked for free for years um, oh really yeah yeah because they believed that this story needed to get out and especially because the show didn't tour yeah and so last year we finished the film and the film premiered at frameline which is the one of the biggest queer film festivals in the world in san francisco last year and then we had a massive premiere, Sydney premiere here for Mardi Gras Film Festival Queer Screen last year. We we screened at, at Acme in Melbourne and then it's gone on to have a number of international screenings. So it's been in Italy and Germany and oh God, where else have we? Sweden, it's coming up. Uh, Vancouver is coming up to be, I'm going overseas in November to go to Copenhagen, to London, to Belfast, to Oxford, right? Oh my God, it's going to go everywhere. Yeah, so it's doing its thing and that's really exciting. Oh, and also SBS On Demand bought it. So um, in terms of Australia, it means that it's available on demand on SBS. So everyone um, watch it. <laughs> everyone can watch it. And it's like, that's the main thing for me because, and I love that it's on SBS on demand because that means that people who weren't in the main cities who couldn't get to see the show now or come to the film screenings in the theaters can now watch it. And that was yeah. my main agenda is that people who need to see it, get to see it. And as many people get to see it. So yeah, I've been so excited about, we're all so excited about the success of Nothing to Lose the Film as well. And it's the legacy of the show. So it's, yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you made it. And I'm so glad it's going all around the world. It's going to make yeah. waves. <laughs> Very exciting. And we want to continue that happening. And yeah, yeah, it's great. So good. So I was in the audience when you did your TED Talk at the Opera House. So how my TED Talk actually came about was because the writer of Dietland, Sarai Walker, was giving a talk on fat phobia being one of the last radical concepts yes. At, yes. at the yes. Festival of Dangerous Ideas at the Opera House in Sydney. And she gave this talk and that's when Hugh and I happened and all the doctors got up. And I was actually just, I was there as an audience member myself and that's when all the people got like it was like one after the other there was like five or six people who got up straight away I think one person didn't ask a health related question or didn't say to Sarai are you glorifying obesity or you know it was all just about yeah my mum's really happy with herself and she's fat and I can't deal with it things like that and I was sitting there with my sister who's very shy and I looked over at her and I said, I'm going to make a scene. <gasps> That's then, right. I do remember this. Yes. And then I stood up and I said to the mic, look, I don't have a question, but I just have to say that I'm embarrassed that this is the audience at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas and that the only questions we're, being, we're asking this writer is still about health and it was very triggering for me actually because of insight because insight had happened years before and all we got asked on insight was what we had for breakfast and didn't we eat carbs and <laughs> I was like oh my god it's happening again <sighs> so I kind of I don't remember what I said but I kind of went a bit I went off and afterwards the Edwina Throsby who is the well, at the time was the 
producer of TED Talks, TEDx Sydney, came up to me and said, I want you to do a TED Talk. Are you serious? Is that how it happened? That's how it happened. And then I said, what? Okay, great. And then I, and then I did the TED Talk at the Opera House. I, I remember it. after you, you made your question, you got a standing ovation. Because yeah. I, I was standing up clapping and because oh. I was brave enough to get up and say anything. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like... I don't know. For me, it's just I can't not say something. Yeah. But then, but then people just talk about the relief of me having said it. And God, I'm so glad you said it. And I felt a bit bad because I got a standing ovation and I felt like I took the focus away from Sarai, who was actually giving the talk. But um, she said to me afterwards, oh, my God, thank you so much. You saved me. Because she just said when these people started asking, like, she's an accomplished novelist. Yeah. And she's written these ideas. And we're at the Festival of Dangerous, of dangerous Ideas. Yeah. And people still could not let go of their bullshit around health and fixation with health and fatness enough to not make that the focus and also the entitlement of that, like just the, oh, we're, but, but you're wrong. You're wrong. You're having this, this is a wrong idea rather than being like, I'm really challenged by what you just said, blah, 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 blah a conversation. It's just like, no, you're wrong and you're going to die because you're fat. Just like people just can't cope with letting that go because what that does is it, it that just challenges and threatens their whole kind of, way of being in their own bodies and their own relationship to their own bodies whether what whatever size it is and their judgments and their kind of what's the word like their internalized bias right it's yeah. it's something that they're internalized body stuff because mm. if we start going hey we're fat and we're gonna like live in our bodies and we're gonna wear bikinis and show our bodies and, and love them and have sexy times publicly and partners and we're going to eat whatever the fuck we want <laughs> whether, that, whether that be salad or whether that be carbs and pasta mm. whatever people can't deal because it's like they've invest so much time well not everyone a lot of people invest so much energy and time in maintaining a body that's can that's considered healthy i.e thin that if we start going actually you could take, take a lot of that energy you spend focusing on that and do like other things <laughs> and just like or like redefine health and you know like quite a lot of the people that I know who have massive issues around self-worth that's related to their bodies not just fat people like quite a lot of people are very small yeah and they engage in because they are that size they feel they must engage in diet culture because that's going to maintain this body that's going to therefore maintain success and happiness. And if, if you challenge that, they just freak out, mm. you know, it's like ripping the carpet from under them and the very way that you should be in the world. So people get really defensive and refuse to kind of open their minds, which mm. I get, I get it. It's like a huge, massive machine capitalist construct that is benefit that people make a lot of money from that people mm. especially women hate their bodies and therefore are distracted and spend millions of dollars and don't potentially use their time and their brains to mm. to wake up or to push back or to progress their careers like traditionally men have 
had that freedom a little bit more. Like the success of, of, of traditionally, the success of cisgendered men is not what they look like at all. There's a lot going on. So I don't blame people, but I'm also just like, come on. Like if you're in mm. a kind, like if you're sitting in the audience at the Festival of Dangerous Ideas or Ted. I know, I know. Yeah, that's kind of the place. That's the place where you're going to be challenged. Yeah, so, so be challenged <laughs> and, and think about it a little bit. So, but having said that, and it's probably a very good thing that TED Talks don't have question time. Yeah. Because I'm sure without a doubt that should I have done my TED Talk and then there was a question and question time, I'm sure the exact same thing would have happened. Like I, I can guarantee yeah. it. But luckily I got to do my talk and then walk off stage and pretty much faint because I didn't make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done. But, it's a huge thing to do. It's it's a fantastic thing to do. Well, that's right. And I never thought ever that I would do that. But when someone says, do you want to talk to potentially millions of people at, on the main stage at the Opera House about something you love? You're not going to say no. You it's, a, it's a kind of, yeah, okay, I'll do that. It was like, okay, yep, I, yep, I will make that. I'll do the best I can do. And, you know, it was amazing because it was the main stage at the Opera House. So there was two and a half thousand people in that space if not wow but then I also knew that 20,000 people were watching it online live whoa and that was intimidating (laughs) they didn't give us any auto cue or I had to remember it are you serious wow yeah so I had in my bra I had all these I had it written out (laughs) on palm cards in case I forgot walked out and froze but yeah and then since then also because I also think that was one of the first TED talks ever that had addressed that this idea of fat uh, phobia or or fat positivity and so it got picked up by TED.com which is the big they call it Big TED Um, TED. (laughs) yeah which got picked up by Big Ted in in the USA and and put on their platform so you know it's really bizarre but like nearly two million people have watched it that is incredible yeah if I knew 2 million people were watching it at the time, I would have totally, I'm a pretty confident person, but I still reckon I would have made a mistake or two knowing mm-hmm. that. But yeah. So yeah, it was a, wa- a wonderful thing to do. But of course, having said that, when the TED Talk went up here, there was an insane amount of hatred comments and people just really, really hateful to the point where I spoke to TED people and said, this is really damaging for people that are fat and might read those comments. Like I won't read them, but I've heard heard they're really horrible and and violent. So can we please take the comment off? Like, can you just disable commenting on that TED talk? And they did that in the States as well. So, God, but that was not for me. That was for people that didn't think not to read it and might be fat and or whatever have any kind of body issues and and then just for them to be exposed to that kind of hatred like when I do things and I stand up in front of people and talk I know it's coming but I always worried about the people that don't realize how awful it is Mm. in that way so I just try really hard to protect them a bit but it's always going to get back I just think it's immensely sad that it happens yeah yeah, it is. It's awful. But, you know, that's like you said, there's a whole thousands of people that just don't really have much else to do otherwise, other than hate on people that, especially women, that kind of are okay with themselves. Mm. That, that threatens a lot. That threatens the patriarchy. That threatens 
their ideas of self that threatens the status quo really and that freaks people out they don't want to do that so they want to assert some power by by being really cruel yeah and it's awful and it's not just of course it happens with anything that's that's a challenge and people you know people's like you got to lean into it and lead with compassion and don't respond and or like there's people that Dylan Merrin I think his name is who calls his there's been quite a few people who like find out who the death threats are from and calls they'll call them oh and really and go why did you do that and then you went you know ultimately find out that that person hates themselves and they felt really mm. angry and mm. blah, 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 and it all comes out I'm not interested in doing that <laughs> I, no, I, I, no. I don't want to give them my time but I do also hope that people know to just kind of that that's a sadness that's their sadness and their own issues that come up yeah so there's two things isn't there like the resistance to fat representation is one but what about health which people seem to use as a protection against their own internalized stigma or two just out and out hatred and yeah patriarchy like you said well yeah the most vitriol is is without a doubt men straight men can't deal and they just it's it's, you know it's not even about i don't know it's just very bizarre it's like of course of course you can't concept but it's like you know that thing of like as a queer woman i don't give a i could not give a rat if they find me attractive or if I offend them visually I don't mm. I couldn't care less and but I think I think that's what's so offensive <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about you dude like, you know. so I just think you know it's just like it's sad but that's also I've always said that trolling and that kind of hatred it fuels the fire it fuels the fat activist fire because you're like oh wow okay this is really slow going People feel so deeply offended by this that they, by this very idea that they'll spend their time being like, you know, trolling someone. And and I just think, well, that I just, you just have to keep going then. I love that you feel that way though. It's fantastic. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no choice. I don't have a choice. I don't feel as an activist, I don't think I can not keep going because it's like, and it's wonderful to see how far we have come and how it has changed a lot like from when I was a kid you know yeah and people like Lizzo and there's people who are really popular now and doing amazing yeah. things and it's on their agenda and they talk about it but also they're just like amazing and you can't deny it and mm. it's like so and I love I see so many younger like people who are fat like just love like just owning it young like teenagers wearing crop tops and being like yeah I'm fat yeah Yeah, I love that I love it it's so like I never ever 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 saw anything like that when I was a teenager ever no it didn't it didn't exist but I love that it is happening and it's happening yeah I wasn't that teenager either at all (laughs) I wasn't I was not I I definitely no you weren't even going to the beach yeah I mean I bought into it for ages yeah I just got jack of it (laughs) yeah it's really boring (laughs) yeah and then it's changed but you know it's still a process it's still a process I've been doing this sort of thinking for a very long time and it's still a process for me I still go through days where I'm like oh god but Mm. you just do that and and try and remember what's important to you and then yeah 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 so yeah it can be up and down but the fire in your belly is pretty much there which is awesome yeah it is 
I think it's important. It's very important to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what are you doing next or now, or is it a top secret project that you're not allowed to talk about? Yeah, actually it is. Oh. <laughs> I'm doing a few things that are happening. So I've been directing more docos for, yeah. So at the moment I'm working on a, a short film for Screen Australia and Channel 10, which is a story, it's called The Rainbow Passage. And it's a story I'm working, co-directing with a woman called Cadence Autumn Bell. And it's her story about transitioning. She's transitioning and her girlfriend is also transitioning and they're in Bathurst. And it's their story of their love and connection and and what it's like to be trans, a transgender woman in a, a small country town. And so we've literally just shot that last week and we're going into post production. So I'm moving through and it's really for all the work that I do on fat positivity, what's really important for me is to also focus on on body positivity overall and mm-hmm. including gender positivity and, and affirming trans bodies and differently abled bodies and and being intergenerational and all of and focusing and, and trying to encourage space for people of color and, and their stories because it's all interconnected it's such an yeah. inter, it's an integrated what's the word sorry it's an intersectional um, intersectional yeah intersection it's so good that you're doing this well i mean intersectional feminism is the only way really and it's that's where how i it's what i try to do with my all my work is do that yeah. in in the best way and and i have to say it's lovely to be like for all my work on fat positivity and and my projects have always been around fatness it's really nice to be working on another project that's not focused on that as well and how to for me that's really great to push push further Mm. you know broaden Mm. it up a bit as well because it is all connected all of these kind of ideas of loving who you are and and taking risks and pushing back against the dominant narrative is all yeah interconnected so yeah that's what I'm doing it and then there's also a um a very top secret very especially very very exciting project happening that I can't talk about which I love saying Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I love that too. <laughs> oh, your life is so exciting. So thank you so much. <laughs> it seems like that on the outside, but no, it is. There's, I have, I've been very lucky to have some, some pretty amazing opportunities come my way. So I just try and roll with them as much as I can. And I think yeah. you do more than roll with them. I think you like, you just take them and just run with them, which yeah. is fantastic. Well, yeah, I think that it's kind of that thing of like, well, like you just have to grab it and go, yes, and do your best. and Stick I, your notes in your bra and just go for yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Take a deep breath and just wing it. I mean, I'm very, good at, I'm very good at jumping in the deep end and it seems to work out. I'm a good swimmer. Yeah, a uh, synchronised good swimmer, which is yeah. even better. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I've forgotten all my synchro. But, like, I still love swimming. I swim four times a week, which is one of those things that was a meme from... from <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but... I do. There I was do. A meme, there was a meme that came out saying, if this woman swims four times a week, I'm going to eat my hat. And I just thought, I hope you've eaten your, your hat. I it's like, I think it was much meaner than that. But it's just funny. But, yes, I... I <laughs> I, um, I love that people just cannot fathom that. But, yeah, anyone that knows me in real life knows that that's just true. Oh, God. <laughs> that was just such a, a horrible, cringeworthy moment. Oh, the whole thing was. The yeah. whole thing was. The whole thing was. But, but look, at, look at you now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, Acapulco had happened then and they actually asked me to show it. I'd given them permission to show clips of it in the show. And the first thing I said to the producers when we, when it was finished and we walked out of the room was you have, I'm taking every right that I said, you cannot use Acapulco in the show ever at, at all. Not even a still. Don't Good on you. Because I was just like, no, I'm not, you don't get to have that. You yeah. people, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah, but that was then, and I'm very, very cautious now of any, I get asked to do things like that constant, well, not constantly, but often, and I pretty much say no because I'm I don't blame you after that in selling setting myself up for that or anyone and people often write to me and go should I do blah 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 has asked me to come on their show and I'm like mm, this is my experience and then I'm like are they paying you and this is this and I kind of yeah I just am very I won't very wary yeah mm. very very wary because that was a railroad and I don't really want anyone else to have to do go through that yeah no 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 it's, it's inexcusable I hope it it just shouldn't happen, but I, I can certainly understand why activists don't are wary because it's so often it just gets flipped around when you're there and especially when it's just happening, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, well, that's right, except get really defensive and upset, which then just, yeah. You know, exactly well, what they want, yeah. It's mm. the perfect storm. Mm. But, you know, if mm. I see Jenny Brocky in real life again, I'm going to be like, you're a meanie. <laughs> I'm just going to be like you so obviously have your own shit around your weight because that was just I've never seen you be so opinionated you know yeah. like inside's great Jenny Rocky's so uh, like objective and and she just went me and I was like wow you yeah gender here which is obviously about your body yeah it was very obvious and in the show notes I'll put up the transcript from the episode to demonstrate just how Yes. defensive and awful she was because she really was yes. but as usual you handle like a champ because yes. you weren't backing down and and she just couldn't take it yeah <laughs> yeah, um, yeah anyway anyway look, thank you so much for today's discussion I'm so inspired by you and everything that you're doing and I hope that your top secret project yeah, is able to be talked about pretty soon so we can find out what else that you're doing yeah. is, is coming out. Well, it's because everything that it, it happens. But, yes, I'm excited about the potential of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Louise, for having me, and I look forward to, to listening back. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kelly Jean Drinkwater. What a phenomenal woman, right? Am I am I right? I hope I didn't sound too starstruck. I keep saying that, but I probably did. But that's okay. It's okay to be starstruck and inspired by just amazing women who are just so awesome. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find out more information about Kelly Jean Drinkwater. And I have links in the show notes so you can track down the terrible Insight TV show where we first met, that shit show. But I also have, on a more positive note, links in the show notes to uh, so you can go find Acroporco, you can find Kelly Jean's TED Talk. And for Australian listeners, you can go to the SBS On Demand. So just on your TV, go to SBS On Demand. 
type in nothing to lose and you'll be able to watch it and watch it and show all your friends and show your children because it is beautiful and just an inspiring movie. I'm, I'm so, I just loved it. But don't forget to watch it. If you're international, I'll put some links in the show notes so you can track down the movie, Nothing to Lose, and make sure you can watch it as well. So that brings us to the end of, of this show. But in a couple of weeks, boy, have I got some doozies coming your way. So don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when it pops out. And please, if something is really pissing you off about diet culture, you know who to bring it to. Bring it to me. Send me an email to louise at untrapped.com.au and I will do my best to dig in and upend and, and have a look at the topic that's, that's annoying you. Nothing is off limits. We will go anywhere. So please bring it to me. So until we meet again, trust no one. Think critically. Push back against diet culture. Untrap from the crap.